Welcome now, the professors of pop. Welcome, everyone. I'm Stephanie Lachlan, and with my co-host, Jerry Gabriel, we're your professors of pop. Hey, welcome to the professors of pop. It's glad to be back. Today's episode is devoted to literary adaptations. Now, you can't even begin this topic without immediately going towards that cliche, oh, well, the book was better than the movie. You know, critics... When you, in my opinion, have always been super, super biased when comparing novels to films. And I think it's about time, you know, that we say poo-poo to that. The very first book that was ever devoted to this topic, Novels into Film in 1957, the guy wrote, where the moving picture comes to us directly through perception, language must be fulfilled through the screen of conceptual apprehension. Fuck off. You know, today's episode we're going to talk about where sometimes it is possible to get it right. It is possible where the movie is just as good or is in many cases even better than the source material. So without further ado, class, today we're going to get into all of this and we're also going to talk about how today in Hollywood the latest thing is not just movies but turning the latest hit thing into a limited series or a Netflix special like Bridgerton. So without further ado, class is in session. She hates me. She's disappointed. I could see it in her eyes when we met. I've got to stop sweating. Oh, she looked at my hairline. She thinks I'm bald. She's thinking I would never in a million years sleep with this guy. We think you're great. Oh, thanks. Wow, that's that's nice to hear. To begin, coffee would help me think. Coffee and a muffin. I'm going up to Santa Barbara this Saturday, and I I was wondering. Oh. I'm sorry. So I'll just be right back with your pie then. Drum roll, please. Like you! I'm putting in a chase sequence. So the killer flees on horseback, cops after them on a motorcycle. And it's like a battle between motors and horses. Like technology versus horse. Susan, we would really like to option this. You want to make it into a movie? I want to know what it feels like to care about something passionately. Don LaRoche is a tall guy, sharply handsome. The book has no story. There's no story. Make one up. Okay, we open with LaRoche. No, we open at the beginning of time. Okay, we open with LaRoche. Crazy white man. We open on Charlie Kaufman. Fat, bald, ugly, paces. I've written myself into my screenplay. That's kind of weird, huh? I guess we thought that maybe Susan and LaRoche could fall in love. I just don't want to ruin it by making it a Hollywood thing. It's like I don't want to cram in sex or guns or car chases or characters overcoming obstacles to succeed in the end. She's crying. What's she hiding from? I think you actually need to speak to this woman to know her. 
People find love. People lose it. Every day, someone somewhere takes a conscious decision to destroy someone else. So when you think about adaptations, you can put it generally into two categories. The straightforward adaptation, like, for instance, take the 1996 Emma with Gwyneth Paltrow, which is, of course, based on the classic Jane Austen novel. But then you can also go the route that's very loosely based, like 1994's teen hit classic Clueless with Alicia Silverstone. Well, it's actually not really anything like the source material. It is, it, it becomes its own thing, which is great. So as we go forward into the history of literary adaptations, I have to introduce our guest, my dear sister, and of course the star of our short film, which I encourage everyone to go watch on our YouTube channel, The Caretaker. Uh, thanks for being here today, Liz Lachlan. Hello, thanks for having me, Steph and Jerry. Oh, it's good to uh, good to have you here. Everything okay? Uh, Should I redo that part? Yeah. I'll redo the intro and the. So with that tangle, then it almost took down. Yeah. So, without further ado, I am very pleased to introduce this week's guest, my uh, sister and also the star of our short film, which I encourage you all to watch on YouTube, The Caretaker. Uh, everyone, please welcome Liz Lachlan. Hi, thanks for having me. So, uh, what have you been up to, uh, Liz? Liz? Oh, you know, uh, that quarantine life. <laughs> right. Uh, no other movies since uh, The Caretaker? Oh, no other movies. Yeah, no, unfortunately not. You were really good, though. I thought you were a great actress in that. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I tried my best. Of course, I'm not an actor, but... I mean, sometimes the best acting comes from people who aren't actors, actually. I'm really looking forward, I know this is not on topic, but to see Red Rocket, the latest Sean Baker film. He really likes to employ actors who are not really actors. Right. But sometimes it works out. Like Richard Linklater uses a lot of non-actors in his movies, and they're always like very realistic looking. And then you have someone like Charlie Kaufman, who right. just creates totally insane, not realistic films at all. Which brings us to our first pick uh, for this week's theme, Jerry. Why don't you tell us a little bit about the Odyssey, that is the Nicolas Cage masterpiece uh, adaptation? I would say adaptation is. People don't know it was obviously a, an Academy awarded film and had tons of accolades. I believe uh, Cooper won a um, he won an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor for that, and Meryl Streep won like an award but for something else. Of uh, course, she did. Yeah, she always <laughs> she they didn't she didn't win the Academy Award, but she won like a ton of other awards from for that role. She would. Yeah, um, it's a, it's the it's the yeah like you said it's the um, pinnacle of a of a Nicolas Cage movie because it's Nicolas Cage constantly thinking about like his 
like inaccuracies and like uh, problems, and he has a twin brother, and they're both. But his twin brother has confidence. He looks exactly the same as him, and you just get these like two emotions, two people. But to stay on the theme of adaptation, what's really cool about adaptation is it's a movie about making an adaptation. And then like, what if you have a book or something where there isn't a lot. There's a good. There's like a source material, but there isn't a lot to work with to make a like an interesting movie, and uh, that's why we have Charlie Kaufman writing about himself trying to do this movie, and we're getting like you know he's into these meta movies, but it really makes a good point about like the creative process, and like he at one point he, he goes to a Robert McGee uh, conference. <laughs> it's really funny because like people the read the dad from Succession, right? Yeah, the dad from Succession. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So what's the name of the book that it's based off? Uh, the Orchid Thief. For some reason, I mix it up all the time with White Oleander. We were talking about that before. The very good uh, Michelle Pfeiffer movie, which is actually an yeah. adaptation of a book as well. I believe it's the same name, right. which I highly recommend. Yeah, I don't, don't want to give away too much. But I think everyone should see this movie because it has a cool twist. But at one point, um, the characters were holding the writer by gunpoint <laughs> and they've taken him hostage. <laughs> <laughs> so things get a little out of hand. <laughs> so uh, right before we recorded, we were watching a little uh, speech that the actual writer, Susan Orlean, uh, was giving where she said she had no idea how they were going to possibly make this into a movie. They're going to have to do lots of sex, drugs, and uh, you know, car explosions. Right. She was joking, but that's exactly that's what, what happened. That's what he put in. That's, no, it's just... that's. Yeah. The brilliance of Charlie Kaufman's With, writing. Yeah. He's a terrible director. Let's just put it out there. When he directs movies, ugh, but when he writes them, I don't know, I like magic. Uh, what I, else has he directed? I like Synecdoche. I thought it was a really good movie. But I'm like in my own. I like really long movies that never end and like drive people <laughs> crazy and like have to walk out of the theater angry. I what else has he directed? Uh, he wrote it. He directed Synecdoche. That's the only thing? That's uh, uh, I know. Did he direct anything else? Oh, he directed something. Wasn't he directed this movie? The uh, the one that came out with Jesse Buckley um, on Netflix last year. I I'm thinking of ending things. I think it was called. Yes, yes. I don't remember what that was. Was it good? It was weird. It was. It was weird. Uh, yeah. He wrote John Malkovich. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, you said he also wrote Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Yeah. Yes, like and that. Yes, exactly. He didn't direct that. That's the thing is when Spike Jones directs his movies, it's amazing. Yeah. Like adaptations directed by Spike Jones, too, I believe. Okay, so, So, uh, you know, The Orchid Thief, no one thought it could be adapted, but then there's books like Dune, which I know is one of Liz's uh, picks. Eternal Sunshine was directed by uh, Michelle Gondry. Yes. Okay. Uh, yeah, Dune, I recently read the book and watched the new movie, and I have to say that I didn't think that was going to be something that could be easily adapted because the book is just all political speech and strategy. There are full chapters of just dinner parties that have that don't make any difference to the story whatsoever. Yeah. Um, but luckily, they just like cut all that out. In Jerry that. made me watch the David Lynch version once, and... I hated it. Yeah, I haven't seen the new it's one. It's a real bad adaptation because if you read the book, like the book, like you said, the book is like a book, like there's a lot of these paragraphs from a book that's going to be written in the future. 
later on. Yeah. And it's in reference to the Messiah figure. And uh, it's like, you, and then David Lynch, for some reason, had this like over voiceover speeches and thoughts that people are having. And I was like, not good. Like, because it was really annoying. <laughs> that's how the book is. is yeah. The entire book is like what everybody is thinking about uh, the political strategy behind every yeah. single one of their it's actions. Like, I'm, I'm going to commit treason now, everybody, but I'm not going to tell anybody. I'm just telling my brain and all the people in here. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, so like stuff like that, basically. What yeah. I really liked about the latest yeah. adaptation is that they kind of cut all that out. Yeah. They, ad- they kept in political strategy, you know, but they didn't like overtly talk about it and have these like... Uh, no, it was very secondary, put to the side, stuck, stuck to the main story about like a family that has to take over from another, another regime. And mm-hmm. how they're trying to survive, basically, in this weird situation that they've been put in, where obviously they're been put in this situation to be taken down. Exactly. And uh, it's really cool because, like, there's the the conflict just comes from like really good acting, really good storytelling, and some. He, I found the Villeneuve does something really good in the movie where kind of like uh you know how like when the character can see into the future yeah i was gonna say yeah by seeing into the future he changes the future which is kind of interesting exactly there's a very interesting scene where he has a character teach him something that he uses in the past right and then in that timeline he ends up killing that same guy using the knowledge that he got from him in a different timeline it's very interesting yeah um when you read these books, has has there ever been a moment where you see it adapted onto the screen and you're like, oh man, this is awesome. It's just what I pictured. Or this is nothing like I pictured, but I loved it anyways. Have you ever had those moments when you were watching a movie based on a book you've read? Yeah. Like yeah. Sometimes I think they got it down completely. And sometimes I think uh, they did it. They like, okay, like well, Game of Thrones. I read the, I read the first book. For the first series, then I started the other Sorry, sorry to interrupt you, but that's actually bringing up a really good point about, uh, yes, traditionally it's been novels to films, but these days the latest hot thing is really doing uh, book series or novels into TV shows or limited series. Which tends to work out much better because you can be more faithful to the source material because you have more time to actually delve into Absolutely. whatever the topic is. Absolutely. Um, but then often, answer. often, I have to say, limited series are very stretched out. Well, I was saying, like, when they did a good adaptation of Dune, it was in the limited uh, series that they did, like, in the early 2000s. Yeah. But the CG is so bad and so <laughs> oh, dated. Yeah. It's distracting. Yeah. You know, like, everything's imagine. green screen, but, like, not good enough. When like, you're supposed you know, to be 12,000 years. The or Matrix, <laughs> guys, the Matrix actually really holds up. Yeah. Talking about CG. It does, yeah. That's the only movie from that period. Like, Jurassic Park. Early, okay, yeah. That's, Jurassic Park, yeah. It's always going to hold up for me. <laughs> anyway, sorry, not to get yeah. off topic. One thing I do like about adaptation is at least, like, if you're going to, like, a new source material, you know? Maybe we can have something new that could be made. Mm. That's a sad thing about the state of affairs of movies is just remaking everything. <laughs> so that actually brings up my pick yeah. pretty naturally yeah. because – so. When I heard that Greta Gerwig, after she did her brilliant directorial debut, Lady Bird, when I heard her follow-up was going to be Little Women, I was so annoyed. 
Like, they already have the most classic version of Little Women ever produced in the history. We're talking about 1994's version with Winona Ryder. (laughs) But you know what? It actually is possible to create, again, it's this, I've seen this story so many times, but there's a reason why people keep being drawn to it, and her version of it was actually brilliant. She turned Joe into this feminist hero who clearly didn't choose either guy. Did you notice that? I thought that was really fun. I really liked that because she made it of our time, even though it's yeah. not a book of our time. She's like, she tells the book editor guy, like, okay, fine, I'll put it in my novel, yeah. talking about getting yeah. meta, about how I'll pick the German guy and yeah. how we fall in love at the, the train best, station. The but it's very clearly she picked yeah. neither it of was, them. It was really cool if you focused on the, uh, if you focus on the frame narrative, which is like her trying to get her book published or whatever. Um, it, it, it's told in such a cool perspective. Like it was uh, the little, the other little women don't do that. They don't have that cool. Like they I don't. But them. one thing that was really interesting is that each character is still kind of like uh, praised for doing exactly what they want to do. Yeah. So like there is the character that does just want to get married and have children, and she's still praised for doing it and for herself, you know. Yeah. Whereas Joe is praised for deciding not to choose a man and to go for book writing and. The other for enjoying her art, you know? And Florence Pugh, holy shit. That girl's she's the best. She's so good. She's, 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 kinda like, she's actually going to do cast, they're saying, in June. Yeah, really? no, so, I, I heard yeah, that. As, she's, the, as the princess. She's okay, the princess Irulam. Yeah. yeah, that's the role she she's in talks for. Her. I have be cool because it's her and... Uh, Timothy Chalamet. Timothy Chalamet. Yeah, eventually... Yeah. I like, just watched Midsummer again. <laughs> oh, God, that movie. <laughs> It makes people angry, or, uh, or they like feel like they're. I'm not, not a horror movie person, but yeah. you know what? I really liked that movie. Actually, it was too because it's psychological. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I yeah. Thought, I thought they got mushrooms down really well. Yeah. <laughs> it was like the first time where I actually felt like I was like on drugs or something for two seconds. Yeah. Yeah. Like good. Uh, Steph, to bring back your super earlier question yes. about. Um, when you thought that a book actually yeah 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 what what was a moment where you read a book and then you looked at the screen and you're like so happy for me uh it's the show outlander which you know talking about geeking out i know jerry was saying game of thrones yeah for me i've read all the books for outlander okay and i'm gonna say the books are better the show gets it wrong a lot of the time but there's certain moments like when jamie meets brianna for the first time they get it so right and it's just so amazing to see and i'm sorry liz i totally cut you off what was your <laughs> what was your pick well my pick was going to be uh, high fidelity oh, by nick yes. hornby because i read that book and it's it's about a record uh, a, a record store owner who you know, isn't the best person overall and makes a lot of lists about what he wants from his life and uh, top five biggest or best breakups. Uh, That's one of my favorite movies of all time, High Fidelity. I mean, I totally agree, but reading the book and then seeing the movie, I mean, the one change is that it doesn't take place in London. But other than that, it was pretty much spot on. on. It's it's like the, the, the breakup and the things that he's going through. And then and also, then uh, you find out the reason for it. So he's yeah. Okay. The one. All these layers start coming out in it, and then it's like he's he's like he makes all these lists, but he's kind of a he's kind of a douche because because he has all these like rules about taste. If you don't meet those conditions, 
you're not a cool person or you don't belong in the same elitist exactly. category. He you says an elitist freaking record store owner. <laughs> him and his friends at one point, there's a quote and I think it's both in the book and in the movie where it's like, um, we decided a long time ago that it's more important what you like yeah. than what you are like. Yeah. That's in both. I yeah. I'm sorry, it has my favorite line in a movie ever. Jack Black comes in and he's like, <laughs> what is this shit? It's like it's the new Bella and Sebastian. He's like, turn this shit off. That's one of the all-time greatest scenes in the history of comedic so cinema. Oh my good. god! I good. also, uh, I also just want to shout out actually the one-season uh, TV adaptation of High Fidelity with Zoe Kravitz, where she it was like a gender flipped. She's the Rob, and they actually did a, quite a few scenes um, in the show that didn't make into the movie but or in the book like when she goes to the the gar- the woman who's trying to sell her ex-husband yeah or, uh fancy records that are cool and, and that then, was great because yeah. in a in a tv show you but actually in a, have the in time. a tv show exactly in a tv show you have the time to devote a whole episode to that chapter of a book yeah yeah so that was definitely one of my favorites but i think the reason why it's a better adaptation for movie is because the whole thing is about the soundtrack of his life. And in a movie, you actually have the ability to hear that soundtrack. So I right. think it really makes a better movie adaptation. Yeah. I wish almost like when you're reading the book, I wish they would just like give you like a, a sound, like you listen to all these songs while you're As just, you're like, reading, reading, that would be great. <laughs> that, that book would have, it would have worked really well. With that, it would have. You kind of have to hear the music that he's picking. Especially, like, there's this one scene where he just finds out that Laura, his his ex-girlfriend, is starting to see this guy named Ian. And he has this, like, frenzied scene of, like, who the fuck is Ian? I don't know any Ian. She doesn't know any Ian. That and then it's, like, this, this crazy, like, techno music as and he runs upstairs. And it's the guy upstairs. from Shashank Redemption. Yeah, I know. It's so funny. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, speaking of amazing adaptations... Shawshank Redemption, based on the Stephen King short story. Oh, I didn't actually realize that was based on something. Yeah. The best Stephen, another Stephen King There's adaptation. been a lot of shitty It's amazing. King it's one of the best. I recommend seeing that movie. The ending is great. It's like the best ending of a movie. It'll piss you off, but it's great. I think they recently <laughs> made a TV show of that as nah, well, and it was not bad. good. I was like, what is this crap? You took a perfectly good movie and ruined it in like this really awful TV show with yeah. unredeeming characters they don't care about. But in the movie, like you, the characters are so much more interesting for some reason, and you have a shorter amount of time, which says a lot about the TV show. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Also, just like in the in the movie, the way people fall as opposed to in the TV show, it kind of makes more sense. But... Okay, so uh, a wrap up question: We've talked about what we love about adaptations when the movie is either better or just as good uh i forgot i almost forgot i really liked the first season of the handmaid's tale i thought it was a very good adaptation of margaret atwood's novel definitely agree which is <laughs> clearly be- quickly becoming an actual reality in the south of the united states but we won't get into that today um anyway so wrapping up we've talked about what we loved now let's just make fun of those ones that totally got it wrong that were terrible that were trash that you should have been never greenlit what's your like least favorite adaptation uh well actually uh i hate to say it but dune 1984 is dune really i thought the only i thought it was such a disappointment because the 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 way the movie looks 
is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Like the art design is beautiful. The costumes are amazing. And then it's like the story is like so They took it too literally yeah, as it's to like the... no so much not it's so not fun to watch and uh it's pretty bad. Uh, do you what is it that I need? Do you have one stuff? I didn't yeah. think about this. Oh, sorry, it just came to me. Mm-hmm. It's a good question. Yeah, I just yeah. um I'll cut out the theaters. Yeah, yeah. Uh Speaking of Stephen King adaptations, what was it? The Atlas Thief? Was that one of his books, I think? Atlas Heart. I don't know that one. Oh. <laughs> I also really hated uh, the... So Ken Follett's Pillars of the Earth. Oh, is you, didn't one- like the, uh, you didn't like the series? I don't know. I, I felt it had so much potential, but it just pillars of earth. I haven't seen that. Shane fan, so oh yeah, no, no, he's he amazing cool as, as the, the bad guy, but like that's just one of my favorite books of all time, and I felt like it had so. I feel like it deserves to be a prestige, like a uh, trilogy movie, but I guess it's never going to be possible to do a middle aged. No. There's no superhero, so it's never going to be made into a trilogy. But um, it's a shame. Oh, also about what some of our favorite adaptations are when they get it right. <laughs> now let's talk about when they get it wrong. Does anyone want to talk about what they think the worst adaptations are, where the movie was completely trash, where the book was amazing? Uh, well, like uh, Liz mentioned, when I, I didn't love uh, Dune 1984 uh, version, the David Lynch, because I felt like the set design was amazing, the art was in it was beautiful they just got everything down perfectly and then the story is so bad so badly told and like just it's not fun to watch i can imagine that if you're too close to the source material there like it wouldn't work for movies because yeah yeah you don't want to just listen to somebody strategize for two hours true uh another adaptation i didn't like was ready player one the book was okay. I didn't see it. Uh, the movie was like, almost felt like Steven Spielberg didn't read the book or anything. <laughs> He's like, I'm just putting a bunch Steven of Spiel- stuff in there. Steven Spielberg's <laughs> been making such bland, bland, yeah. boring movies well, for like 10 West years Story, now. Which apparently is like worse than the original. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think he's lost his. Touch. I think he's he has yeah. not made a film in a long time that sparks that uh, no. magic he anymore. Go back to his roots and like do like kids on an adventure or something. Yeah. Anyways, ooh, speaking of kids on an adventure, Stranger Things. Stranger Things. Yeah. Mm. But getting back to our topic, uh, for me, one that I really was disappointed was The Duchess, the Keira Knightley movie. It's based on a real life um, ancestor of uh, Princess Diana. Who also had like kind of a three-way thing in her marriage. It had so much potential, but the movie was just so. The yeah. I feel like she deserved a six-episode limited series thing, kind of like John Adams with uh, Paul Giamatti, yeah. which was an amazing adaptation of a historical book by David McCullough. Uh, Ender's Game, classic science fiction book. Uh, not crazy about the political views of Carson Starring or whatever, uh, but. Uh, the movie is total trash. <laughs> it's like, everyone was excited for this movie to come out for years and totally garbage. But props to Wheel Time. I, I think it's been pretty good. They've done a pretty good job so far with the series. I agree. I read the books. I read all 14 books and 
I think that a lot of people have issues with the changes they made, but I think they did what they the best thing they could for it. Yeah. Sometimes they have to when they're making a show. Actually, like uh, when I, going back to what I was saying before about Outlander. So, <laughs> in one of the books, uh, Jamie, who's the main character, one of the main characters, he fights a bear. But on the show, there's no way they can afford or for mm-hmm. the actor's own safety. He's not gonna actually fight a bear. He's not Leonardo DiCaprio trying to get an Oscar. Okay. Hey, they found a way. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so the scene... The, the scene becomes Jamie fights uh, a native, an indigenous person in a bear outfit. Mm. So sometimes just like for practical safety and financial reasons, adaptations have to make changes. Yeah, definitely. I still like when they make changes that really affect the story. Like It's like, if you can't do it properly, maybe you shouldn't have done it, tried to do it. But at the same time, when I'm on these Outlander forum boards, and every time Diana Gabaldon, who's the author of Outlander, she's like, so what did you think about this episode? Every single thread, women are complaining about how it's not exactly like your book. It's like, why would... It's a separate thing. They're doing their yeah. their version of it. Like I said, with what they ha- like, with the resources they have, just appreciate the fact that we get an Outlander yeah, show. To be honest, that books are more detailed and have more information in them. So Definitely, you can pack more stuff into it. Um, yeah, and sometimes you have like issues with the actors, or yeah. like in Wheel of Time, right? They had to cut out a lot of the the Matt character stuff because they had issue with the actor, yeah. and he stopped uh, he stopped being an actor for the show as of episode eight or something. Yeah. So the last two episodes, even though he is supposed to be in the book and he's supposed to be in during all those scenes, yeah. they couldn't have that. One thing, one thing I do like about what Game of Thrones did is because they had so many characters in their books, is that they merged the right characters together. Yeah. If they were going to merge like characters, they kind of did a cool thing where it's like uh, Mormont is like, like two characters. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of like, like then they, they you know, there's place. like the Lady Stoneheart thi- diehards who yeah, are so forever really broken-hearted that they never yeah, saw her on the screen. They, they yeah. Well, it'd be a whole other discussion. Discuss later Game of Thrones because Zombie Catherine. <laughs> 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 the, Is anyone gonna watch uh, the the prequel show? There. Uh, oh yeah. You're gonna give it a chance. I will. It's a, It's about the Targaryens. It's about the Targaryens, so. like a thousand years before Game of Thrones or something. Yeah. I mean, I think it was a good choice to to focus on them because they're such an interesting family. Yeah. Uh, for sure, there's so much you know, information, like material and stuff. I think oh, aren't they doing something with the Hobbit too? They're doing like a prequel to like the Hobbit. They're, they're doing a like Lord a of the Rings universe. Show. It's show about the making of the rings. Yeah. Oh yeah. So it's gonna how the rings are made. Yeah. That'll be interesting. Yeah. Uh, one adaptation that I really didn't like was Lovely Bones. Uh, oh, garbage! Yeah, that book was so emotional, so beautiful, and yeah. the the movie was, was terrible. Jackson, <laughs> but, uh, was Don't hire what was his rap name? <laughs> Whose rap name? Mark Wahlberg. Oh, uh, don't hire Marky Mark and expect your film to be a serious uh, well, he, movie. Well, he was in some pretty good movies. He wasn't I Heart Huckabees. It was a really good movie. That was a great movie, but, but that's it was a, a different comedy. kind of movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you can't expect that kind of like deep level of emotion from him. Because yeah. he did one movie with a talking bear. Everyone and then in The Departed, bear. he's just the smartass <laughs> Boston bartender guy. Yeah. 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 
Uh, I think that was a pretty good uh, episode so far. Yeah, so if we're wrapping up here today, don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Twitter at 41 Productions. So, teacher, what's our homework this week? Of course, don't forget your – okay. So, if we're wrapping up today, of course, I have to begin by saying don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram, 41 Productions. Thank uh, Liz for uh, coming. Yes, thank you so much, Liz, for being our guest this week. No problem. It's and then fun. your homework is, I'd say, uh, read the book, any book by Nick Hornby. He's amazing. Agreed. Yeah. Um, I would say from the discussions we've had, watch the most recent Dune, not the David Lynch one. How about instead of watching a movie, just go to a bookstore and read a book. You'll be happier. <laughs> What I want Any people book. what I want people to take away from today is that you can read a book or watch a movie and they're both just as important. They're good. Yeah, is, I guess is what I want you to take away from today. A final episode. point I wanted to make is uh in university I studied art history and one of the big things they talked about was how each medium has its place. So when photography started to become a normal thing, uh, painting was no longer expected to be realistic. So they moved on to things like Picasso, where he would present how something would actually look like if you did it 3D, but on a flat surface. So I think it's kind of the same with books and movies, is a book has its place. It has certain things that are really good for it, but then a movie can just be just as good looking at it from a different perspective. Thank you, Liz. I agree. Um, so to wrap up your homework list, I think you should absolutely read all the Outlander books. And if not, at least watch the show. They have There's lots of sexy bits. Um, Jerry, of course, you have to watch the Nicolas Cage masterpiece adaptation. That's just goes without saying. Or any Nicolas Cage masterpiece. They're all masterpieces. <laughs> we are very excited at the podcast to see the, the latest Nicolas Cage movie. What's it called? The unbearable being of massive talent or something like that. Yeah, the, the unbearable weight of massive the talent. The unbearable weight of massive talent. Where he plays himself. Where he plays himself. It's finally reached that point. <laughs> <laughs> We're but so who else excited. could play him yeah. to such perfection? <laughs> All right, and as we're wrapping things up here, don't forget to like 41 Productions on Instagram and Facebook, and join us next time. The Professors of Pop is a 41 Productions podcast. Produced by Stephanie Lafayette and edited by Jerry Gabriel. Opening music by Matt Gardner. Special effects courtesy of the respective creators.